Hello and welcome to another episode of Eat This Podcast with me, Jeremy Churfus. A few years ago now, I heard about an artist who had decided to breed chickens as part of his artistic practice. We break the frames around the living animals, we break the monoculture, and by mixing them, there is another solution. That was the first idea. Kuhn van Nachlen, the artist in question, has a very simple core philosophy. Every organism is looking for another to survive. Also for the artist, it's like this. Huh? Now, Kuhn's project has clear implications for the chickens we eat, and especially for the chickens on which so many smallholder farmers depend. And that's why, just before Easter, I found myself in Belgium on a mission to visit Kuhn van Mechelen at his studio in Genk. Genk, not Ghent. Twenty-eight years ago, Kuhn embarked on what became the Cosmopolitan Chicken Project by crossing a local Belgian breed with an iconic French chicken. And every year since then, he's added another breed to the population from all over the world. When I told the friends I was staying with about Kuhn, they said, oh yeah, that's a famous chicken, the Mechelse Kuckuck. Now, Kuhn's name is von Mechlen. So, is he, like the chicken, from Mechlen? No, I'm not from Mechelen. I mean, it's a coincidence, but I'm an artist. And in my language, coincidence doesn't exist. In my world, there is always a meaning behind it. And I started with the Mechelse Kuckuck. And um, so my name is Kuhn van Mechelen. So uh, the, link, the link was there, but it was not on purpose, actually, because uh, the Mechelse Kuckuck indeed is very famous. And it was brought in the World Expo in uh, 1958. Um, it, was, it was actually there to show the world that we, as Belgians, that we have a, an important chicken. Kuhn says that countries and smaller areas often take a chicken as a symbol of their culture, and the Mechelse Kuckuck reflects that. If you look at, uh, at that animal, it's a quite heavy uh, chicken, you know, with feathers on the, on the legs. And if you see to the old paintings, for example, of Permeke, you see that the, the, the Belgian people were working in the clay and they need very strong hands and big hands. So in one way or another, it was a representation of the, of the working class and the farmers that we, that we had. And, but it, it becomes more clear when you go to different countries. For example, in France, and that's the most uh, famous chicken, I think, here in Europe, it's the Poulet de Bresse. And when you look at it, it's red in the head, it is white in the body, and it's blue legs. So it's the French flag. So they associate their nationality with, um, uh, with the chicken, but also the Chinese. They make a silky. So the silk, the idea of silk, you know, to translate it in a chicken. If you go to a Turkish long crower and you think about um, how they sing, also the minaret, you know, the long crowers, it was an idea that we never put inside of a chicken. So symbolically, the chicken was standing for a culture. But to Kuhn, that was a bit of a dead end. Each of those local breeds was different, like the cultures, 
but the individual birds in each breed were much too like one another. And now I'm going, I'm going more than 20 years back, huh? I think around 30 years back in time. I said, but we need diversity. We, we have to break monoculture. And so my solution came by, uh, by looking at the Mechelse Kukuk and to think, why not crossbreed this with the Poulet de Brest? So we break the frames around the living animals. We break the monoculture. And by, by, by mixing them, there is another solution. There is something which makes them more um, vulnerable for, uh, for the environment, uh, but there is more resilience, I think. There is more diversity and, that, uh, uh, and more immunity. That was the first idea. But, of course, it was also uh, a comment on our society. Uh, if you do it as an artist, you really, uh, you really think about mankind and think, Wow, there is something with the chicken which is also happening with uh, mankind. But what did you see from crossing the Mechelskuku with the Poulet de Bresse? What came out in the, in the next generation that was actually surprising to you? Yeah, for me it was a big surprise because, of course, genetically it was a totally mix of uh, grey and white chickens, but also black and white, and not one of them are black and not one of them are white. Um, I'm talking a piece of art. Eh? I'm, looking, I'm looking at it in, an, in a different way, in a philosophical way. But at the same time, you know, the outcome was beautiful for me because there was not one the same anymore. And I started to think, I started to think about, um, about uh, the, the reproduction in diversity instead of reproduction in monoculture. But if you go back to the middle of the Victorian period, mm. um, when a lot of these breeds were established, they were established with kind of an artistic view then. It was the visual aesthetics mm. that defined the breed. So how is what you're doing different from what they were doing when they tried to make them all the same? Yeah, I think that there is a huge difference because I think, I, I think we start to realize that bio and cultural diversity is an important um, is an important thing that we have to respect. Uh, we come out of a time that when mankind was uh, uh, rolling over the world, uh, we started to think about how can we live better. And the the problem of that one is that um, that we were thinking about our own freedom. But that in one way or another that we made our own cage. Let me explain that. Because, because we were forgotten to look around the environment. We were not thinking that the environment was important for us to live. And luckily now we start to realize that the question is, are we too late or are we, are we just in time? I'm not a scientist to, to answer on that, but I'm an artist who can see that we have to take many steps and uh, try to get a certain balance with our environment. And this is what all these years we didn't do. Let, let, let's go back to the chickens. Yes. After each cross, you then add another breed. Yeah. So after the Mechelsekuku and the, and the Poulet de Bresse, you add another breed, then another breed, then another breed. How did you choose the extra breeds? 
Um, so also a little bit by coincidence, um, I, I, I will tell you a little story. I think it's an important story. When I had the first result, actually, which is uh, which came from the Belgium uh, with the with the French Poulet de Bresse, it was born in a museum, and between all the white and gray, there was also a black rooster. And when I look at the date when the black rooster was born, it was actually born on an eclipse day. That was very surprising for somebody else. It was just a regular day, but for me. It was something special. When you study, for example, the jungle fowl, which is actually the primal chicken where all the chickens are coming from, living in that area of the Himalaya, they do an eclipse molt. So when they are fertile, the season that they are fertile, when that's over, they go from a beautiful uh, feathers into black feathers. And so for me, I said, okay, the eclipse, um, which what they call eclipse molt, it was there. So that black rooster, I think, is an important one. So I kept that one, and I went to Listen Gallery in London. I was invited, and the Listen Gallery is the top of the top of contemporary art, um, to do the crossbreeding with England. I take this black rooster, and I was trying to find the typical English red cap. But I couldn't find this one. It's a red cap? Oh, a red cap is a typical English chicken. If you look at it, it is English. I, I believe me. It has a it has a flat crest. It looks a little bit like the guards. If you go to Buckingham Palace, you know it is. Um, it's a little bit. It's a little bit that English touch. You know, you can't explain it, but uh, for sure, when you see it, they are proud. <laughs> what was important in the whole story is that they were in the sixties so successful because of the egg production that they were almost extinct, extinct by monoculture. So I couldn't find the red cap anymore. And then I found a guy in Northampton who had a, a rooster and three hens. And I called him and I said, please come to, to get him because in 10 years I didn't get any offspring. They are, they are not doing anything, so, so they are useless. And I put the three hens together with the black rooster in the gallery so what happened actually, during the exhibition, they start to call me and they say, Kun, you have to come because something is happening here. There is a mm, there is quarrel in this uh, chicken coop. I said, what's going on? They say, yeah, the hens are fighting, you know, and one hen is really with the black rooster. So the two others, we have to take them away. So they took them away. And so we put the eggs of, of the couple, of the black rooster with the... Uh, 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 with the one hand of the red cup into the incubator and the offspring was 13 little chicks. So in one way or another, she was waiting for, for somebody who's fertile enough to give an offspring. So there is something there in which I had enough philosophy to move on with the Cosmopolitan Chicken Project. Moving on, Kuhn added one breed at a time the Jersey Giant from America, the Dresdner from Germany, and Ulubard from the Netherlands. And after about 10 years, Kuhn had created a foundation and, with the help of some scientists, had started looking at the DNA of the cosmopolitan chickens. They were staggered by the amount of genetic diversity that had accumulated. 
and while he was exhibiting at the Havana Biennial in Cuba, bringing back the local Kubalaya breed, one of his scientific collaborators encouraged him to think about sharing this diversity with smallholder farmers in Africa, who could definitely use some help. At that moment, I invented the planetary community chicken. If you look CCP standing for Cosmopolitan Chicken Project, if you turn this, you have PCC, Planetary Community Chicken. And what is it? It is actually, I was, I was taking the Cosmopolitan Chicken, which is rich on the DNA, uh, diversity, uh, fertility, and I started to think, why not crossbreeding this huge diversity that we need so badly? The scientist who triggered the Planetary Community Chicken was Olivier Arnott at the International Livestock Research Institute in Ethiopia. You, you might have heard him a few episodes ago on Eat This Podcast telling me about the domestication of the chicken and the importance of crossbreeding to improve village chickens. The village chicken are locally adapted. So in a certain sense, they have been optimized by natural selection, by some human selection, to survive in a specific environment. But what we know also is that the environment is changing and also that basically, well, there is a trade-off to that. So not only the environment is changing, but also these locally adapted birds are relatively low in productivity. So we decided to actually cross these birds with one of the locally adapted chicken in Ethiopia, the Oro, and to find out how this chicken will actually behave. We discovered that, in fact, the progeny of this bird were much bigger. They were growing faster. But I have to say, there was a little issue here. They were also extremely hungry. <laughs> so, because, of course, if you get someone big growing fast, you need the energy and the resource to feed it. So, for the, for the, for the woman with a few chickens in Ethiopia, she now has a chicken that will grow faster, will grow bigger, if she can find enough food for it. Exactly. And this is where the cross become also interesting, because the local chickens are what we call scavenging or semi-scavenging birds. They're scavenging and semi-scavenging birds, so they can get food all around. These crosses, of course, have been mixed by different it's a mix of different breeds. They can also scavenge and so on, but they require supplement and so on. So obviously, if you give a bird which is better grow, and they like the chicken, they like to grow uh, an animal which grow faster and so on. It has more value in the market. You have also to provide source of food and so on. And there are different ways you can handle that. So we will be able to address that issue. No, of course, you solve one problem, there are other coming on the table. But this, we are here to do that, to solve yeah. the other one, and so on. Is it also important with these birds, do you also have to make sure that they have somewhere safe to sleep at night? Are they more likely to be taken by predators? Well, every bird, I would say in general, may be taken by predator if you let them uh, moving around, of course. But it's more than predation, and this is where also the cross becomes interesting, this disease outbreak. As we 
Chicken uh, is a survivor. There's no doubt about that. It has been around for centuries, if not millennia, and has been providing food and, and uh, income to, to the small older farmer. But it's also regularly you do what we have disease outbreak, which are wiping out uh, a substantial proportion of the population. Well, we're in the middle of one. Yeah, we are in the middle of one. We had one, actually, uh, avian flu. We have one avian flu now for the moment in Europe, which is not only attacking chicken, but it's actually this, this virus train uh, actually also not uh, devastating for wild birds and so on. So how do you respond to that? You respond to that with diversity. I'm optimistic at the end they all this population will survive. It's not going to lead to a complete extension because there will be always animals in the population which will have the, the right genetic makeup to actually survive and to move to the next generation. But when you are an isolated population, when you are a small village chicken adapted to a specific environment, you may not have this diversity. But the diversity is there in the cosmopolitan chicken. So by bringing the cosmopolitan chicken and by crossing it with a local chicken, we're also bringing actually diversity, which, actually, which may be an insurance for the future. And, so, and that's very, very, very important. And, and I guess the, sort of the ultimate purpose of the chicken, at least in a smallholder society and in, and in advanced industrial societies, is to provide eggs and meat. So uh, how good are the cosmopolitan chickens to eat? <laughs> That's I mean, um, I didn't, um, of course, study that one um, because I think... Uh, that's one of the reasons also when we st why we were looking for the scientists. And I think also the scientists has to um, do their job on that side. The monoculture of the chicken that, uh, is basically we have strain of chicken line which are egg producer. And then we have strain which are basically meat producer. This is not what we, we, we want. This is not what the farmer wants. What do they want? They want to have flexibility. They want to have the flexibility to produce eggs as well as to produce meat. They may use the meat to actually sell in some specific uh, circumstance. For example, uh, uh, in the country where I'm working now, now this day, Ethiopia, Easter is next door, Orthodox Easter, so not this weekend, the weekend after. And, in, and, and then when they will be typically e eating a chicken, the they will actually have a special a dish called the dorowat, which is very symbolic, where you have seven different parts of the, of the body of the chicken being cooked and with spice and so on. And they basically, chicken has, is, is, is essential to, to their culture and to the breaking of the fasting. But there will be other circumstances in that the birds will actually be used to produce eggs, which then will be being fed to, to the household, to the children and children. Chicken are so important for feeding uh, small children and so on. So what you really want is flexibility. And flexibility is closely associated to diversity. Yeah, but for, that's fine for the smallholder in Ethiopia, keeping a few birds, some for the market, some for the children, etc., etc. But what do you say to the person in North America, in Europe, 
who seems to want the cheapest possible food. Um, and that means, you know, chicken for almost no money, two euros a, pound, a kilo or whatever it is. How, how do you get out of that mindset of thinking, well, the only way to have cheap food is monoculture? Mm. Uh, how, how do you get people to accept the fact that maybe they're paying for the cheap food in some other way? Well, that's a big point. Huh? But I think, you know, like I said before, you know, we went into a trap. <laughs> and the trap is that we were thinking that this part is the biggest solution. And I think also, because I'm talking with the farm industry, which is actually not so big. Eh? It's only actually one company who is uh, deciding on the genetics of, of the chicken. What is the important lesson of this? That the monoculture is failing. Instead of believing in one form, we have to believe in two forms. And this is also in the philosophy of thinking that, as I'm saying, we need the other so badly that every organism is looking for another to survive, for example, that we can say, okay, in one way we have to be busy with diversity and in another way we have to be busy in, with productivity. On a certain point, those has to cross with each other. We all know that our mentality in so-called, so-called developing countries eh, has to change dramatically because otherwise we ruin our own nature and our environment where we live in. So I think the answer is clear. So as a scientist, what have you got out of this collaboration with Kuhn where he started making the, the, the cosmopolitan chicken? What have you gained as a scientist? I gain extreme, I, I gain a lot. I gain a lot because, first of all, you know, I think it's clear from uh, the interaction we have here that we have a common ground, and the common ground is diversity. We know that diversity is at the root of, uh, is at the root of his art, it's also at the root to agricultural productivity. Without diversity, there's no production, there's no improvement of, di of production for any livestock species. So we are sharing something common here. The, we both of us, uh, but we value diversity. One of the things about Koenig's Extraordinary is that he, he, he knew that before, and he managed to integrate that in his art and philosophy. So actually, I have to say, he's feeding me. Actually, his heart is feeding me as a scientist to continue to move ahead and to continue to actually uh, explore this diversity, understand this diversity with, with the help of his cosmopolitan chicken, which are a unique type of beads which doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. Let me start with that statement. It was uh, unbelievably important that every organism is looking for another to survive. Also for the artist, it's like this. Huh? And when, when Olivier, when, when I met him very early, actually, because he, has the, he had the curiosity to be f there from in the beginning of the Cosmopolitan Chicken Project, when he, when he found out that there was a guy doing this, actually, he was there already from this 
very, very, very beginning moment. So the curiosity to say, I come to you, I go into your barn, I, I see something happening here, and there is hybridity, and I believe in the hybridity. So for me, that is the, the same trigger as he tells about, uh, about me to science. Science from him was the trigger to say, okay, here we are with something. The thing, the thing is that, and that's the beauty of it, art is, um, is a kind of freedom. And in the freedom of the art, the cosmopolitan chicken could exist. And what is good on Olivier, I have to say, that he understands that freedom. Because if you, as a scientist, said, okay, let's take this and we're going to do science, you lose the art but you also lose the signs because you cannot learn anything if you don't let the art grow as being an art piece. Kuhn van Mechelen and Olivier Arnaud talking about the Cosmopolitan Chicken Project and the planetary community chicken that it gave birth to. And as usual, links to more details in the show notes at eatthispodcast.com. Amazingly, and I promise I didn't plan to do this, this episode is going out on May the 22nd, which, according to the United Nations, is officially the International Day for Biological Diversity. It's supposed to be a celebration of the signing of the Convention on Biological Diversity in 1992 in Rio de Janeiro, and I'm going to take the opportunity to deliver a little rant. The big problem with the convention, and indeed of most talk about biological diversity, is that it ignores the fundamental diversity that we all depend on most directly. I'm talking, of course, about agricultural biodiversity. I'd even go so far as to say that ignoring agrobiodiversity is part and parcel of the whole idea that there's something separate between one unique species, our own, and the rest of biology, in all its glorious diversity. Okay, I admit that's a bit heavy, but I feel quite strongly that a lot of our problems stem from arrogantly setting ourselves apart from the rest of nature. Agricultural biodiversity, today encapsulated in Kuhn van Mechelsen's Cosmopolitan Chicken Project and the Planetary Community Chicken, is every bit as important as all the other biological diversity. And it saddens me to see that still, 41 years on, too many conservationists continue to see people and agriculture as part of the problem rather than as part of the solution. Okay, I'll get off my soapbox now and let Kuhn van Mechelen use it instead. So we have to look to new ways and to listen more to our environment and the nature than to be, um, um, than to be the middle of all this. And I think if you go, it starts already with education. If, you, if, we, were, if we go back in time... Um, scientists uh, or medical doctors, you know, when they start to study, the first sentence that they get, uh, and I'm talking about 40 years ago, was when nature goes wrong, we have to correct it. I think this sentence we should forget. 
we should we should really turn it and to, and to say you know we have to, to we have to look at where we go wrong and then to ask nature how we can correct this is another way of thinking thanks again to Olivier Arnott for hooking me up with Kuhn von Mechlen till the next time from me Jeremy Jervis and eat this podcast goodbye and thanks for listening Thank you.